This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. A lot we've talked about here today. Still getting a lot of response on the airline security issue. Uh, we can talk more about that after 2.30. Uh, looking forward to this conversation, though, as well. And, and I suspect a lot of you might have some stories to share. Now, I have two kids, a wife as well, and our two kids. And we recently got a dog. Nice dog. Like the dog. There's a difference, obviously, between the kids and the dog. And it's a difference that's recognized in law. None of this should really come as a surprise. But this all speaks to a a case that was before a judge in Saskatoon and a decision that came down last week. There's a story from CBC News that says, in a ruling that references butter knives, euthanasia, and cats named Slimy and Oinky, (laughs) a Saskatchewan judge made an impassioned defense of the notion that when it comes to the law, dogs should not be treated as though they were children. Now, this was a written decision in a dispute between a divorcing Saskatoon couple who disagreed about where their dogs Kenya and Willow also known as Willie, should live. Dogs are wonderful creatures, said Justice Richard Danilik. Many dogs are treated as members of the family, members of the family with whom they live. But after all is said and done, a dog is a dog. At law, it is property, a domesticated animal that is owned. At law, it enjoys no familial rights. And the judge is pretty frustrated here. He goes on to say, to consume scarce judicial resources with this matter is wasteful. In my view, such applications should be discouraged. Okay, but maybe there should be some level of sympathy here. I can understand in a situation where you've got a couple, husband and wife, they've got two dogs, they're splitting up. Who gets that property? Maybe they can be shared, these dogs. Maybe I'll keep one for half the year, then you keep one for half the year, then we'll swap. Or maybe I'll have both for half the year, you'll have both for half the year. I can understand maybe how those kinds of arrangements would need to be made. Obviously, dogs are not children. I don't know that we need to change the law to to give them rights or to have visitation rights, but obviously it speaks, though, to the nature of our relationships with our pets. Well, and that's a topic our next guest has written a lot about, well, including an entire book on the subject. As a matter of fact, David Grimm is an award-winning journalist. He's deputy news editor at Science and is author of the book Citizen Canine, A Revolving Relationship with Cats and Dogs. David, uh, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. All right, what did you make of this story when, when you first heard about it? Have you heard of other cases like this? Yeah, actually, you know, we were seeing more cases uh, like this every year where people are fighting for custody of their pets, both cats and dogs. And, you know, I think in most cases, the judges sort of do what uh, what the Saskatoon judge did, which basically said, you know, under the law, pets are property. But we have seen um, a sort of an increasing number of examples of pets, of some, some of, sorry, judges sometimes willing to treat the pet like a, a child in the courtroom, saying things like, um, you know, there was a, a dispute among a roommates uh, outside of Washington, D.C. a few years ago over a cat, <laughs> and it wasn't even a divorcing couple, it was just roommates, uh, and the judge said, uh, well, what home would the cat be happiest in? <laughs> and he sort of made his decision that way, and there have been other cases where, you know, concerning cats or dogs, where judges have said, you know, what's in the best interest of the animal, sort of like they would do for a child of divorcing parents, uh, which is pretty unusual because, yes, technically, cats and dogs are property under the eyes of the law. Right, well, they're not, you know, I mean, dogs aren't kids, but they're not kitchen tables either <laughs> right <laughs> so there, there's it seems like there's kind of this this gray area that they fall into where they're not quite either and it's true and you know some people actually do say that our pets are already do enjoy some rights 
uh, and have a status that other property doesn't have. For example, there in the U.S. at least, um, there are felony cruelty, anti-cruelty laws in all 50 states, which, you know, if you abuse an animal, and especially if it's a cat or dog, you can be subject to sometimes huge fines, huge, you know, 10 years in prison, $125,000 in fines. Nobody's going to throw you in jail for, you know, taking a bat to your toaster. Um, right. Cats and dogs can also, um, you know, inherit money. And the toaster can't inherit money. And, uh, you know, I, I read in my book, there's actually a few cases where a judge has actually given a dog a lawyer in the courtroom, and nobody's going to give a toaster or a couch a lawyer. So <laughs> even though, you know, cats and dogs are technically property, there are cases where the law has certainly made exceptions and recognize that they are not the same as a couch or a table. And when it comes to, to a couple splitting up, if, if they have a dog or, or they have multiple pets, uh, it it does seem reasonable that they would need to come up with some sort of arrangement. Who decides who gets the dog? And if there's some agreement that, okay, we'll we'll have some shared custody arrangement, who, who should be the one to sort out what that is? Yeah, you know, and that's, I mean, that's, this is an, becoming an increasing issue because people don't view their pets as pieces of property or even just sort of simply companion animals anymore. You know, a lot of people, in fact, I, I believe the majority of people view their pets as members of the family, which is why we're seeing more of these cases where people don't want their pet divvied up like, you know, the silverware or, you know, the car. Well, let's just sell the car and we'll split the proceeds. Nobody's going to want to do that with their with their dog or their cat because they sort of view it sometimes as a child or at least, you know, certainly a member of the family. Um, and so I think that's why judges are more willing to sort of wade into these waters because they realize that, People have these very strong attachments to their pets, and it's not just a simple uh, matter of, of treating it like a piece of property and figuring out, you know, well, let's just find a way to divide it equally. You really can't do that with a living uh, being. Right. Now, you know, but, I mean, you know, there, there are pet owners who do think of their pets almost like kids. Uh, as, as a parent of actual kids, I, I roll my eyes at that. But, <laughs> you know, we, we ended up adopting a rescue dog rather than getting a puppy because it seemed to me like getting a puppy would be like having another baby all over again. <laughs> Right, so we, right. we do think of, of our pets almost like children, right? We That's feel true. like parental responsibility to them. It's true. I mean, I think, uh, I think some recent surveys have shown more than 90% of people consider their pets part of the family. Um, you know, we spend literally billions of dollars a year on veterinary care and organic food and doggy daycare and, and things like that, you know. Um, so we, we're certainly treating them more and more uh, like like members of the family. Um, and one of my favorite stats is if trapped on a desert island, more than half of people would rather live out their day with their cat or their dog than with a human companion. <laughs> so, you know, there, you know this, this relationship has really uh, very much evolved over the past few decades. Well, that's funny because we've been domesticating dogs for, I mean, really, literally thousands of years. That's right. But is, you're saying that this relationship or this view of, of our pets is, is a much more recent phenomenon. It really is. I mean, you know, we've lived with dogs for probably more than 15,000 years and, and cats for maybe about 10,000 years or so. so. That's a really long time. But for most of the time, these, these, these animals are really just considered animals. And it's really only in the past few decades that they've really become seen as members of the family. And some of that has to do with sort of, you know, the breakdown of the traditional family. You know, we, we, we have people, more people living alone or more empty nesters. Um, and uh, also the rise of technology, you know, so much of our world has become so virtual. I think, you know, your cat is not going to ignore you because your cat is texting somebody and your dog's not going to want to play fetch uh, because he wants to play Xbox in the other room. You know, your pets, you know, sometimes in our homes are, are really kind of the last beings or some of the last beings that actually want to physically interact with you um, and instead of sort of engaging in, in, you know, TV or Internet or something else. And so I think that has also sort of strengthened this bond because we, I think we rely on them a lot more for companionship than we used to. 
And it's interesting because I think to some extent the law shapes society, but I also think society shapes what our laws are. And if, if increasingly people view uh, animals as not quite children, but still family members, something somewhat below that, I guess, a status above mere property, is there going to be an expectation that the law start to take this seriously, that we actually have custody rulings, et cetera? Yeah, and I think, you know, I think that's going to be the really tricky thing because I think a lot of people would say, well, sure, my cat or dog is not the same as a toaster. I would like them to have a, an elevated status in the eyes of the law. But some scholars push back and say, well, if you really want your pets to be like children in the eyes of the law, then you may be obligated to provide veterinary care for them, you know, just like we have to provide medical care for our children. Or, you you know, you could get, maybe you could get arrested if you don't walk your dog three times a day, you know. Right, yeah, you should be careful. Some of these things sound kind of ridiculous, but, you know, some people have made these arguments that, you know, we get into some tricky waters when we elevate the status uh, of animals. So there's, so I think there's compelling arguments on, on both sides of that debate. Yeah, indeed. Uh, well, David, we'll leave it there again. Uh, the book is called Citizen Canine, A Revolving Relationship with Cats and Dogs. Uh, appreciate you joining us here for some conversation on this. Thanks so much. All right, take care. Uh, David Grimm, uh, he's an award-winning journalist, deputy news editor at Science, author of the book Citizen Canine, which explores this, this changing relationship. Uh, and yeah, look, I, I do think it's it's silly to, to describe yourself as a parent when you have a dog. <laughs> but you, you do obviously have responsibilities to that, that creature. So it's, it's not a child, but it's really not a, a toaster either, as he says. Uh, some of what the judge said to, to make this point a little more clear, he said, uh, for example, in Canada, we tend not to purchase our children from breeders. We tend not to breed our children with other humans to ensure good bloodlines, nor do we charge for such services. When our children are seriously ill, we generally do not engage in an economic cost-benefit analysis to see whether the children are to receive medical treatment, receive nothing, or even have their lives ended to prevent suffering. When our children act improperly, even seriously and violently so, we generally do not muzzle them or put them to death for repeated transgressions. Okay, point taken here, Judge. He says, in a justice system that is incredibly busy, where delay has become virtually systemic, to consume such scarce judicial resources with this matter is wasteful. In my view, such applications should be discouraged. Uh, but the judge certainly had to go through all of this, and I'm sure dealing with divorce cases is probably time-consuming and messy to begin with. And I'm sure even there are cases where couples can't agree on who gets the silverware or the toaster or the kitchen table. And you just have to say, figure it out. So what happens with dogs? And do judges need to come in, like with children, and come down with rulings on who gets custody or what kind of an arrangement is going to exist? But sure, it's tough. If you're a couple, you have a dog, you're both going to have an attachment to that dog. That dog's going to have an attachment to both of you. You split up. Who gets the dog? Not an easy question. Maybe you can have some shared custody. Well, how's that going to work? Week on, week off? Month on, month off? I guess, you know, and, and look, there, there are obviously ways that, that couples can go through negotiations, can have mediation, and maybe there are situations where those things can be worked out. Not all divorces are going to be amicable, but those that are, maybe then you can come up with reasonable solutions to, to these problems. But I really like that couch. Can I please keep that couch? And, um, you know, I really like the dog, too. 
right, 403-974-8255. Let's take a break here. We'll come back. Your thoughts on whether this is anything that is, is something the court should concern themselves with or whether you've been through something serious or something similar, rather, and how you resolved it. Uh, 403-974-TALK. we got a few others just to get to as well here. This is Afternoons on News Talk 770. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.